Our God is a good, 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 good God. I love that song. Good, good father. That's that's the title of it. Good, good father. He's a good father. Lord, today, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you. for the word that you've given me for these fathers and for everybody in the house. I thank you for the anointing on the word and I thank you for the ability to deliver it and bring it forth because I know it's from your heart. Today I thank you for every father and I thank you from today on that their hearts will know your heart greater than ever before. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So, we've been in our summer faith series that we started in June We're going to go throughout the summer except for the month of July where it it will be the You Asked For It series. And um, today, the title of my message is Faith in the Father. Uh... I wish that I would have had the revelation of the Father that I have today. I wish I would have had that 40 years ago. Because with this revelation of the Father, something miraculous happens in our lives. I got got a little ringing on that. I've got a little ringing on this microphone. Can you, can you tone me down just a tad? Um, so, <clears throat> if, you've, if you've had a father, and he was a good, good father, or you had a father and maybe he was an abusive father. Or you had a father and maybe he showed you, taught you absolutely nothing in your mind. Or maybe you had no father. I mean, you had a father or you wouldn't be here. But he was never around. Maybe from birth he was never around. Uh, maybe he raised you for a season and then he wasn't around. Everybody has different backgrounds. But everybody has a father. And everybody has the father. Some people know it. Some people know a little bit about it. Some people know a little bit about him. But he's everybody's father. Whether you're saved or not, he's your father because he created all of mankind. 
through salvation, through Jesus Christ. We get to know him. We have the opportunity. But you can be born again and not know the Father. Have you ever thought about... <laughs> I, just, I just had this thought the other day. I was, I was preaching out of town this week in New Mexico, and I was driving home, and I had this thought. Uh, you ever thought that the Father would be jealous of everybody talking about Jesus all the time and not him? <laughs> I just had that thought. You know, I mean, how would you feel if you were the one that was the top dog and yet your son gets all the credit? Kind of. In a way. But you know what? There's none of that. Because each has their own place. And we teach about all those different places. All those three, three places. Actually, four places. There's Father, Word, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Word became the Son. So it's three in one. It's not four in one. But they, there's two... In, in, in the Word, there's two different connections, but that's why Revelation said, and His name is the Word of God. So it's really the Word. But there's none of that kind of thing. And I'm so grateful for that because the fact that there's none of that in the leadership of heaven, then there doesn't need to be any of that in any of our lives. So grateful for that. Mark 11 <clears throat> And verse 22, we've read this a few times in the last two services. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Today, we're going to, through Scripture, we're going to change that a little bit. Not changing the verse, we're going to change the focus. But we're going to back it up with a number of different Scriptures to prove it. But today we're going to talk about having faith in God the Father. Jesus told his disciples after the situation with the, with the fig tree, and we're not going to take any time to go into that, <clears throat> but after that situation, he said, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith, or think like God, have faith like God would have. <clears throat> because their thinking was wrong. They, they, they couldn't understand why the fig tree, I said we weren't going into it, now I'm going to. <clears throat> um, they couldn't understand everything that went in. Jesus cursed the fig tree. They came back by that evening. It, it was still looking the same. Next day, it was all withered up. They couldn't understand the process, and that's why he was saying, you've got to think like God. You've got to have faith like God has faith. But to have faith, and what we're talking about today is to have faith like God, you have to know God. You have to know him. And you have to know God. And today as I'm speaking somewhat, this, is, this message truly is for everybody. But specifically talking to fathers today, you've got to know God as father. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures that talk about him 
there's probably more about Father than there is about Jesus or Word or anything else. Um, no, probably not, but there's a lot. Galatians 1.3 Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. There's God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. But in all these passages right here that I'm reading, that I will read, talking about God the Father. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. They're separate, and yet they're one. Remember that as we read a few more verses. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I come before God. Hello, God, it's Bert. Come to you in my name. And the Father does nothing. Because when we come to the Father, the Bible's very clear, we've taught on this for many years, when we come to the Father... We don't come in any other name, not even in the name of the Father. We don't come to the Father in the name of the Holy Spirit. We come to the Father in the name of Jesus. Amen. He set it up that way. So it seems like that Jesus ought to get the big head in this thing because, hey, you know, you can't even get to the daddy except through me. Right? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of Jesus Christ. He's the Father of mercies, and He's the Father of all comfort. He's God the Father of all mercies and comfort. All mercies. Didn't say mercy, but mercies. I can't tell you, you may not be able to remember, but I'll just tell you this. I can't tell you how many times you've needed the mercy of God. And I can't tell you how many times in the days ahead that you will need the mercy of God. To know how to draw from the mercy of God, you've got to know God the Father. He's the Father of Jesus Christ, and He's the Father of Burt Wimberley. And he's the father of every single person that believes he's the father. The God of all comfort and mercies. He's there to comfort us. I I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my own life, in all of our lives, where we've needed comfort. And when you look for comfort and mercy from any other place than the father, it's because you don't know it because nobody has mercy and nobody has comfort like daddy does. I don't say that disrespectful when I call him daddy because that's what he is. And like I said, had I had that revelation 40 years ago, even 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, 
even 10 years ago, had I had the revelation that I had today, it would have made things so much easier. But we don't look back on what we didn't have 40 years ago or 30 or 10. We take it today and let the mercy and the comfort from the Father rule in our lives. Can you say amen? John 10 and verse 30. Whoo, man. John 10 and verse 30. Jesus said this. I and my Father are one. Jesus didn't say, I am my Father. I'm going to say it again. Jesus didn't say, I am my Father. He said, I and my Father are one. John 17 and verse 3. And this is eternal life that you, that they, this is what Jesus said, that they, meaning us, may know you, the Father, the only true God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse 5 says, And now, O Father, Jesus is talking to him as Father. In that verse, he didn't use the word Father, but that's who he was talking about. Because that's what this prayer was to, was to his Father. This is eternal life. Um, Verse 3 here in the Amplified says, And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with and understand what true life really is. Is healing true life? Is sickness true life? Healing is true life. Peace is true life. Right? Joy is true life. True life comes from knowing Him. Not knowing about Him, but knowing Him personally, intimately, having a relationship with Him. Not just about him, but him. You can know about somebody, but not know them. I know about a lot of people. I've even met a lot of people that I don't really know. But to know him is something different. To know him as Father. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. Paul says, For this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him until that day. He said, I know whom I have believed. Now watch this. He didn't say, 
I know what I believe. He said, I know him. You can know scripture and not know him. You can be born again and not know him. You can have faith in yourself and not know him. You can have faith in what looks like your faith for things and not know him. And all of that that I just talked about, it's okay to have faith and confidence in what you know. It's okay to have faith and confidence in the faith you have for specific things. It's okay, but it's not okay to try to have those things and not know Him. See, I don't, I don't want to have faith in the Word. I want to have faith in the one that spoke the Word. And, and, and like I said, it would have been great 40 or 30 or 20 years ago to know this in a greater place. I mean, we can all make mental assent of what I'm saying. If you've been born again any time at all, you can acknowledge the fact that that's true. But it's another thing to really have the intimacy with Him, with the Father, with the Father, with Him. John 6. And verse 38. Jesus, I'm going to read a number of things that Jesus said along this line. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. Look look what he said. I have come down from heaven. I I was here, the living word. I was at the beginning. I was was there in the board meeting before the beginning. I, I was there at the beginning. I was there a part of all creation. And then Father had a plan for me that I become flesh and be like one of you. He said, and I didn't come here to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus had a will and Father had a will. And the reason that Jesus had a will is he had to have a will to be like you and I. He had to have a human being, one of us will on the earth so that it could be developed, that he could develop his soul with the word of God and deal with all the obstacles and the issues. Because see, down here, there's resistance to our faith. Up there, there's no resistance. Totally different. So he had to have a will, so his will had to become the will of the Father. And it, and it became the will of the Father from the moment he was conceived until the moment in the Garden of Eden, I mean, I mean the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, Father... If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours be accomplished. 
from the moment he was conceived until the moment he said that. His will was being renewed to the will of the Father. And what I've noticed over 40 years is to think like my father, I've got to have a relationship with him. I've got to have a relationship with him. I can't just know about him. I can't just know things that the Word says. I can't just quote what other people think about him. I've got to know him. I've got to know him. I've got to know him. Amen? He said, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all of he, that all of he, of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son believes in him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, in looking at the Father, we see this constant picture of the two being one. And in John 17, and we won't look at it now, but Jesus' prayer to the Father was, Lord, that they would be one as we're one, and that they would be one with us. So today... You can see yourself as becoming one with the Father in the way that your will is being renewed to His will. And I promise you that what He wants for you, there's no comparison to what you want for yourself. Because you don't know today everything that Father has in store for you. If he gave it to us, we've, we've talked about this a lot around here as of late. But the Bible says that he, he created the plan for your life, not at the foundation of the world, but before it. And what he had planned for your life can only evolve as your connection and your relationship with him are one. As you become one in a relationship with him, then his plan evolves that's why it's so important that we know him not just about him not just know things that it says in the word but that I know him I know him 14th chapter and 23rd verse Jesus said to him <clears throat> If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The word and the Father, or the word of the Father, is what creates a home inside of you. So the word that became flesh and was pinned in this book for you and I, as that word becomes real to us, 
and it develops the relationship that we have with the Father is where his home is made. And listen, when your relationship with the Father is like being at home, you want it. I love being at my house. I love being home. When you love being home with the Father, you want to spend time with the Father. You want to glean from the Father, and then you want to do what Father says. Can you say amen? Fifth chapter in the 30th verse. I can of myself do nothing. Wow, Jesus said that. I can of myself do nothing. I can of myself do nothing. If he could do nothing on his own, what could I do on my own? Poof. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. I seek His will. I want to understand what He wants for me. I want to understand what He wants in every area of my life. Every area of my life. On my own, I can do nothing, but with Him, I can do all things. Now, 16th verse of this 5th chapter. Just back up a little bit in this chapter. I want you to notice this. You know, we talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the day of those times. I mean, I've, I've, I've said things, you know, ugly about them. A bunch of religious idiots, you know, or whatever I've said about them. But they didn't know God. They knew about God, but they didn't know God. And if you don't know God, you're going to do dumb things. Hmm? I mean, nobody in here has ever done anything dumb, but I mean, <clears throat> if you don't know God, you'll do some really stupid things. Man, we won't talk about that. Anyway, but they were, you know, they were, I mean, here, here in this passage right here, Jesus heals on the wrong day. Man, seen a healing in 400 years. And they're mad because he healed on the wrong day. Healed on the wrong day. Man, the guy was sick for however many years. He was, no, he was, he was lame for however many years. I mean, time and time again, they got mad at him because, he, because it wasn't the right day. It wasn't the right time. It, you, know, it, it, you didn't say the right thing. You went against this thing. That, I mean, these people were healed. And they were mad. But what really were they? They were threatened. See, because they had, the, they had the Pharisee Evangelistic Association. I mean, they, they, were, they were winning people to their cause. But how many of you know, if you don't believe in healing, and healings are happening, you're going to lose a lot of people to your cause. Because people want to be well. And in that day and hour, there were some sick people. 
If you've ever done any study in church history during that time, that was one of the sickest times because of all the perverted things that were going on in the world at that time. These people were sick. All different types of diseases were being transmitted in all kinds of ways. It, It was horrible. And I mean, everywhere the man went, healing and manifestations were happening, right? So they were losing their cause, so they were mad at him. And then in verse 16, it says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. He had healed on the Sabbath. Verse 17. But Jesus answered them, Man, this ticked them off. You know what? He said all kinds of things right here, but when he talked about God as his father, oh my gosh, they went through the roof. I mean, the plan to crucify him started right there. I mean, the plan was already in motion because it was the will of God before the foundation of the world. But I mean, they were ticked. He said, my father has been working until now. And I have been working. Man. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only healed somebody on the wrong day, but also said that God was his father. Watch this. Making himself equal with God. Now, they didn't understand what he said because he would have never compared himself as Jesus, as the man Jesus. He would have never compared himself to equality with the position of the Father. Well, you just think you're the Father. He didn't say that. He said, I and the Father are one. You realize You and I have the same equality because we've been made one with them. We have the same equality. In other words, if Daddy said it and Daddy says I can say it, then I can say what Daddy says and that's equality. See, that's power. But they didn't know him as Father, see? Or they wouldn't have been mad at Jesus saying that. They would have understood the whole plan. But it was all part of the plan. Right? Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son, watch this, see, see, he's not comparing himself in, in the form of equality to the Father. He's not saying he's the Father. Watch this. He's saying he's the Son. Who are you? I'm a son. You're a son and daughter. Right? We're man and man with a womb. We're all sons of the Most High God. Right? Our equality with him is because of what he has said. We're not talking about the equality of the deity. We're talking about the equality of our rights in the kingdom. That's what he's saying here. The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in a like manner. Now, our Heavenly Father, unless He purposes to manifest Himself in the natural for you to see, we don't see Him. 
unless he purposes to manifest himself in a physical form for you to touch, we don't touch him. That's not the way he set it up in this dispensation of time. So we have to believe. We have to believe in him, right? So of ourselves, we can do absolutely nothing. But when what Paul said, he said, I'm convinced and persuaded in who I, I, I know. I, I know him. In other words, I'm convinced in who I know, not just what I know. I know him. Jesus said, he, and, and if you read on in this passage, and we won't right now, he was making the point, and people see it as a real critical thing. He was just saying, you don't know him. You don't know him, or you wouldn't say this. You don't know who I am and the fact that it was his will to send me or you wouldn't be messing with me. And that made it even matter and they wanted to crucify me even more and on and on and on. Because they didn't understand who the Father really was. They knew who God was. They knew who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. But they didn't know God as Father. So Father still wanted them to know, and he still wants people today to know that don't know him. They want, he, God the Father wants us to know him as Father, not just Jesus the Savior. But the only way to the Father is through Jesus the Savior, the living Word, becoming real to us on a day-to-day -day basis. So the information is important. But just to have the information without the relationship won't produce the results that we're looking for. Luke 22 and verse 42. <clears throat> This is what we talked about earlier, but I wanted you to see it. This is, this is Jesus in the garden. And he was withdrawn from them, from his disciples, who were supposed to be praying and were sleeping, about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he prayed that three times. He prayed that because of what he began to see inside of him. God was revealing to him what he was going to have to deal with. Listen, you will walk through things. You've walked through things in, in the past. There may be some things that you faced that you didn't actually walk through because you were too afraid and, and too beat up over or whatever it is. But the stronger that God becomes God, the Father to you in your relationship, you'll walk through things. And as you begin to walk through them, when he knows you're prepared, he will empower you before you even walk through it to be able to walk through it and get it to the other side. All of Jesus' 33 years up to this point right here was the development of a relationship with God so that he could be the perfect example in the, in the natural man for us to follow after. And everything that he overcome, we can overcome. But the only way he did that, the only way he did it was his relationship 
with his Father. And it won't happen any other way. We can't just be deadhead people that have a head full of knowledge, have all the right confessions, we've, got, we've learned the principles of, of the word, which are all important. All the principles are good, the confessions are good, the prayers are good, and everything else. But you can go through the motions of all that and not have a real relationship with the Father because we don't break it down into what a real relationship is. Too many people are trying to be pleasing to God instead of just being pleasing by doing what he says. Huge difference. So I want to read this story in my ending today. And I want to make this point and I want to pray for the fathers. It's found in Exodus chapter 2 and 3. And it's the story of Moses. And I'm going to break it down really fast. So Moses is born and then Moses is 80. No. Um, So Moses is born and separated from his birth family. So he has no father. But he's raised in Pharaoh's house. And so he grows up as a son of that house, but really with no father. And um, as he grows, and we, and we see this in chapter 2, as he grows, let's, let's go to verse 15 in chapter 2. It says, uh, well, l- let me set it up. So as he grows, he, he still has his Hebrew heritage in his heart. And one day, he was about probably late 30s, around 40 years old, um, he sees an Egyptian beating Hebrew slaves. And he goes and he kills the Egyptian. Well, he didn't think anybody sees, but they do the next day when the Hebrews are fighting, and he's telling them, hey, you guys are brothers, and why are you fighting? Why are you doing this? And uh, they said, well, what are you going to do? Kill us like you killed the Egyptians. So he fled, and he went to Midian. And, uh, and in, in verse 15, it says, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled uh, the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, the priest of Midian who was Jethro, had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock, and the, and the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and he helped them, and he watered their flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father said, how is it that you are back so soon? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us, and he watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses. So Moses was content to live with, the Bible says he was a godly man. Moses really had no true father figure, and now he's in a situation 40 years into his life, he's in a situation where he's with a family, he just, he's married his wife, and they're having kids, and, and they're living and existing, but he's learning 
he's learning from this man. And this man has become a father to him, and he's learning from him things that he didn't get. And in the third chapter, in the first verse, it says, and this is many years later after being out in the wilderness, there's very little that's talked about right here in this passage. It is in some other passages. But verse, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his uh, father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of God appeared, and, and you, uh, most people know the story, angel of God appeared in that place. And um, here in verse 11, after the burning bush experience, Moses begins to have a conversation with God. And what I wanted to tell you today is this. And I want to read his conversation in these three or four verses. But I want to tell you this today. Moses is the Old Testament example of Jesus, our Savior. And Jesus was born and lived 30 years before he was ready to be able to receive from the Father. That's why he had to submit to Joseph and to men of the temple and in the church. He had to submit his heart because he had to learn how to receive from the Father. Moses had no father. He was driven to the to the out into the wilderness at 40 years old because he, was, because he was afraid of what was going to happen to him because he'd killed the Egyptian. And out there, he did a lot of things. But one of the things that he did is he developed a relationship with a man that became like his surrogate father. And 40 years later, we have this conversation with Moses and God. Verse 11. <clears throat> Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. The Father said this. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. That was all Moses had to say about that. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. So, <sighs> so what did what did what did Moses learn those forty years to be able to receive from the Father? 
What do you receive from Jethro? We see Jethro, when Moses has led the children of Israel out and they're giving him all kinds of fits. And Jethro gave him wisdom about how to handle the people. He said, listen, Moses, this is going to drive you to the ground and to an early grave. He said, you need to separate things and do it this way. And he listened to his father-in-law. See, this guy had been somebody that he believed in and he trusted him. And when he heard from God the Father, you know what he heard? He heard Jethro. He heard what Jethro had poured into him. Because Jethro was a godly man, the scripture says. You may have never heard this passage of scripture talked about like this, but God put this in my heart for you today. And what, what he said was things like this. This is what I heard God say. As Heavenly Father, he's saying things. I'm not just saying this to Randy. I'm, I am, but I'm saying it to everybody, okay? You don't have to be that strong. I'm with you. And I'll be with you forever. You don't have to be that strong. That's what he told Moses. Who am I that I'm going to go before Pharaoh? I mean, Moses was a stutter. I mean, he, and he'd get around people and have to talk in front of people. He'd get, he'd get really nervous. Who am I? Man, I'm with you. You don't have to be that strong. I'm with you. You don't have to try that hard. I'm with you. Relax. I'll speak to you. I'll show you how big and real that I really am. Just relax. Take me at my word and do what I say. That's what, that's what God is saying as a father to all of us today. All of you fathers, relax. Some of you fathers, it'd be good for you at times to just shed a tear. Well, I can't do that. Like I'm naked or something can't shed a tear, can't let anybody see some, you know, that part of me or that side of me or whatever. Yeah, you can. Because God wants his way in. He wants to be in control. The Father wants to be the Father. And when you submit yourself to the Father, there's not anything that can't happen in your life. Remember Jesus said, anything you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. So the only way, as we've been sharing about the name of Jesus, that you can use the name of Jesus correctly in your life, the only way, is in your relationship with the Father. Because we've got to go to the Father to ask Him. We don't go to ask Jesus for things. We ask the Father in Jesus' name. And you've got to get that right. So there's a step-by-step -step process of how we get there. And along the way, that relationship with the Father just gets developed. And I tell you, He's the God and the Father of all mercy and comfort. And man, when you need comfort and you need the mercy of God and you need the power of God and you need anything and everything, because the mercies, the mercies, plural, have to do with everything in your life. Everything. Everything. And today I'm just here to tell you that God the Father 
desires to be your father more than you have any clue. Can you say amen today? All the fathers in the house, if you just stand. If you're a father, just stand in the house. Just close your eyes if you would. If you're, if you're around these fathers, just stretch your hand towards them or whatever you want to do. Heavenly Father, I come to you today from this message and from your word, and I thank you for each and every earthly father that is standing here today that in themselves they can't do anything not just as fathers as husbands as as even as children themselves to parents to to being uh, having relationship with siblings or or distant relatives or friends or people at work or or whatever it is they have within themselves they have no ability but with you they can do all things Today, Lord, in this house, my prayer over each and every one of them is that they tap into the intimacy and the relationship that you've begun to give me in the last few years in a greater way than I've ever seen before. Uh, my prayer is that it happen in each one of them to a greater level than they've ever experienced ever in knowing you, not just knowing about you, but knowing you personally. Today I declare that every hindrance against them, every hindrance of the enemy is cut off in the name of Jesus. Every hindrance is cut off from them today in Jesus' name. And that their eyes are opened up to see you in a clearer way than ever before in the name of Jesus. Lord, today for all the rest of the people in the house, all the rest of the men in the house and the women in the house, I thank you for that same intimate relationship and oneness with you that they've never experienced to this point. Not that they haven't had anything, but from this day on, it's going to be like they've never had before. I believe it. I stand in agreement with them, and I believe that the words we speak never return void, but they accomplish what we've set them out to accomplish. Agree with me concerning these words today and say amen and amen.